nor can the choir or anyone else delight you in the Lord. It's something you must do for yourself. You have that ability, that capacity to obey the command of the Lord to both fret yourself or delight yourself in the Lord. And I want to just focus a few minutes on the negative and spend most of our time on the positive side because if we indeed do delight ourselves in the Lord, there are some promises that flow to us and will help us automatically and even in nonverbal ways give witness to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who watch on a daily basis. In fact, three times in this psalm, verse 1, verse 7, and verse 8, those words are repeated to us again. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And then again in verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now that word fret means to get into a heat. That's the definition. And the word envious means fiery red. So you get the idea. Those two words together indicate don't get hot under the collar. Don't uh, fret yourself to a place of getting into a heat and being envious because of what he identifies here as the inequities of life. And that sometimes is the source of our fretfulness. Things just flat aren't fair. And so that can be the first reason for our getting into a heat. The second is the inactivity or inaction of the Lord. It seems like when we pray, we have a busy signal and God is a bit indifferent or inactive. Why doesn't God do something about this situation? And it seems as though Mary and Martha looking at Jesus coming four days late and saying, Now, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And they were fretting themselves because of what appeared to be inactivity or inaction of the Lord. But verses 7 and 10 help us a bit here. It just says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many know the Lord has never been late a day in his life? And the Lord is always precise in his appointments, and we know that though he doesn't meet our schedule, he's right on time with performing the promises that he's made to us. And our timetable and his may be totally two different things. Verse 10, And yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of of peace. Praise the Lord. They shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I think it's important for us to look at the other side and to first define what delight means. And from the dictionary, it means to give extreme pleasure, to, great, to take great delight in or pleasure in, to esteem highly. And I'm sure it's important for us to recognize the Lord delights in us. 
Look at Psalm, rather Isaiah with me first. Isaiah 62 and the fourth verse. In fact, if you'll follow me from the first verse down through, it really is encouraging to us. If you have the best... Until the righteousness thereof go forth in brightness, salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be turned forsaken. And notice the capital letters there. Thou shalt no more be called forsaken, neither shalt thy land be any more turned desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and in thy land thy land shall be married. So Hephzibah means, I delight in thee, and Beulah means married. So the Lord is really giving us that dimension of his favor upon us. The Lord delights in thee. He holds you in high value and high esteem. And his name for us tonight is Hephzibah. So that uh, ought to encourage you. He delights in you. Now in the previous chapter services, it reads a little different from the King James than it does from the NIV. And it simply says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he hath clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. But it says in King James, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation and hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornament, greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. And I wonder tonight, in our Pentecostal prevaricators, and we really are not really expressing what's in our heart when we say, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. That it's really not necessarily coming from truth in the innermost parts. But uh, we've, we've caught the melody, and the message perhaps is a little bit missing. I have been reading and enjoying and being challenged this week by a new book that has just been released, and it's entitled Honest to God, with a question mark, and it's written by Bill Hybels. He is a pastor in the Chicago area. And the subtitle is Becoming an Authentic Christian. And he deals with becoming an authentic Christian. What does it mean to be honest with God? And not just say words and go through motions and say the right things, but that, the, that these two things match up. And in the first part of the book, the introduction, the dictionary, he says, defines being authentic when that which conforms to what is represented or claimed to be. 
Authenticity means consistency between words and actions, between claimed values and actual priorities. Inauthenticity means that we claim to be one thing and then prove to be something else. And so the title really does challenge us. Honest to God? Are we really saying what is true when we sing, I delight greatly in the Lord and my soul rejoices in my God? Or when the music stops, is that all there is to that is just the chorus that we've sung? Or is it really real? Is that ringing with authenticity in our heart? Is it something that's coming from the resources of our soul and saying, Oh, I delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul is rejoicing in the God of my salvation. I appreciate that he hath clothed me with robes of righteousness, and I delight in my salvation and my God. Or is it just a chorus? Is it just something we've learned to sing? And we enjoy the melody and the tempo, and uh, we've missed the truth. But all oh, that God will help us to delight ourselves in Him, and that that will be an authentic description of our relationship with the Lord, not just on Sundays, but on Blue Monday and uh, Terrible Tuesday and Week Wednesday. Amen that our soul is still delighting in the Lord because he hasn't changed. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The first chapter of this book, I was able to chuckle a little bit. He tells about attending a conference, Christian growth conference, leadership conference. And it was his first exposure to, to leadership conferences and and that session became rather heated. A delicate subject was broached, and there were strong feelings on both sides. And so people began to become very emotional and, and vitriolic, almost came to blows. By the time that session uh, had drawn to a close, a bell rang, signaling the fact that they were to shuffle off to the main plenary session. And they all kind of left that discussion and went into the main auditorium, and he said one of the men who had been one of the most vitriolic in all his expressions and anger picked up the microphone, and it was his responsibility to lead the meeting. And he said, now, the Bible tells us we are known by our love, and let's stand, join hands, and sing that chorus that we will, they will know we are Christians by our love. And so it kind of became the basis for his writing this book. Honest to God? And I think sometimes that's the way it is. You know, we kind of hear a bell ring and we shuffle off to a new, a new quarter and change gears and we say things, sing things, and do things that are not necessarily coming out of a heart that's filled with the truth. But oh, God help us that we would not fret ourselves but delight ourselves in the Lord and that we would be authentic Christians that we would be authentic Christians. Let me read that definition again. I want the Holy Spirit to just place it a little deeper in our, our hearts. And again, the dictionary definition is conforming to that which it represents or claims to be. Authenticity means consistency between words and actions, between claimed values and actual priorities. 
I had opportunity to be speaking with a gentleman not too many weeks ago, and he said, you know, Pastor, my wife said that God's first and I'm second, and I don't believe either one of us are on her list. Sometimes, you know, we know the right things to say, and we could, if we were given a piece of paper, write down the right priority sheet. But what is the actual priorities can perhaps be rewritten in a little different fashion. And we want to deal as honestly and as transparently as we can before the Lord. Sometimes I believe we do this to ourselves. We fret ourselves instead of delighting ourselves in the Lord. And he ought to be the source of our joy. Hallelujah. Because we are the source of his joy. Let me give you three quick verses of Scripture from Proverbs. There's a contrast in each one. Proverbs 11:20 says, For they that are of a froward heart. Now that's a word we don't use much or hear much but it's F-R-O-W-A-R-D, which means perverse, not willing to comply with, or ungovernable. Uh, they that are of a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Those that are upright in their way are his delight. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Uprightness of heart is a delight to the Lord. Honesty with our lips is a delight to the Lord. Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Hallelujah. He highly values and esteems the prayer of the upright. So it's not a matter of just going through the motions of prayer. It may be an abomination. God may not delight in our prayer. He said the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. Not everything that is given in way of an offering is acceptable. Both Cain and Abel offered sacrifices. One was accepted, one was rejected. So it's not the offering that we make. It's the offerer that God accepts. It's the offerer that God accepts. Not the offering, but it's coming from us. And God is pleased and delighted with us, with the upright. Such as are upright in their way are his delight. They that deal truly are his delight. And the prayer of the upright are his delight. Hallelujah. And he does indeed delight in us as a bridegroom and a bride. And we stood on this platform yesterday and just saw uh, what you can only see up close and uh, uh, the looks of love and joy between bride and bridegroom. And that's really how God's eyes are upon us, I believe, who uh, delight him and who delight in him. Hallelujah. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the more I looked at this, the more the Bible just seemed to come alive and bubble over with that word. 
and you know them. As soon as I mention the scriptures, they come to life. Psalm 1 says to us that, that uh, we are blessed indeed and happy when we delight in the law of the Lord and in his law meditate day and night. Let me ask you, is it really your delight? Is this book really your delight? You say, it's not duty for me to read the word. It is my delight. I, I found about seven scriptures in Psalm 119, of course, the longest of the Psalms that use that word having to do with his statutes or his words or his commandments. Then he said, David, I delight in his law. I delight in his statutes. I take it as one who finds great treasure. This is the joy and delight of my life. And I wonder, is it really true? I know if we were at, be asked tonight, we would certainly want to give the right answer and say, yes, pastor, I delight in the word. But has it been true this past week? Has the word been the delight of your life that you couldn't wait to have some time to get to it? And you would say, it's absolutely true. It's like digging for, for gold and and I find great treasure in his word, and I find great strength and guidance in his word. I can't do a day without his word. I must have his, that's the delight of my life. And I notice it's getting quieter, so I know the Lord's working. Driving past the fire station, a big sign on the outside just said sail. And driving in, there were all kinds of odds and ends laying there for sale. I asked the fireman, is this for the benefit of the fireman? And they said, no, no, this is just, this is just a white elephant sale, things that are no longer needed or wanted. And looking around, there was clothes kind of hung haphazardly on the hangar and all kinds of chip dishes and, and things that people had donated for the white elephant sale. Off to the side, there was, a, there was a table filled with paperback novels and books and, and some with the corners turned up. But laying on that table with all the paperback novels and books was a Leather-bound, genuine leather Bible looked like brand new. Picking it up, red-letter edition, thumb index. Opening it up, there was not one indication to who it would have belonged to. There was no hand marks on the cover. Some of the pages were still stuck together. I said, how much? for this book. The man said, the same as all the other books on the table, 25 cents. Bought the word for 25 cents, laying alongside of all the dime novels and discards, a white elephant sale, things people no longer want or need. Someone let a treasure slip through their fingers because when we read this book, we find the promises of God that provide for us the life that now is and the life that is to come. It has 
help for us physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Everything I need, I have supplied to me in God. Someone had a treasure in their hand, and instead of delighting in it, sold it for 25 cents along with all the other discards and, and things that no longer were needed or wanted. Oh, that the church of Jesus Christ would not neglect the Word of God, but say with David in his law, I delight in his law, and in his law do I meditate day and night. How do I delight myself in the Lord? By taking his word, and I delight in his word. And say in Psalm 40, I delight to do thy will, O God. Is that the delight that we have? To say it's not my will, my purpose, but my delight is to do his will and his purpose, to satisfy and fulfill him. That's the joy of my life. That's really what turns me on, doing the will of God. I delight to do thy will, O Lord. I delight in thy word, O Lord. Hallelujah. That Jesus is the joy and delight of my life. Honest to God? Amen. Oh, that beats fretting ourselves all to pieces. We live in an uptight world, and God forbid that the upright get uptight. There's a better way. The Lord commands us, don't fret yourself, delight yourself. And I think we do have that choice daily, and it's difficult, isn't it? And we're preaching to you, as a man to men, we know that there is an adversary that works to discourage and to defeat us. But oh, there is a, a joy, a wellspring that comes from the uh, resources of the Lord that can help us to leave a witness to those that we come in contact that are watching our lives and that Jesus might be seen in something different than what they see in the other people who do not know Jesus Christ. And you say, Amen. Something real. Something vital from the Lord. Hallelujah. And it is our perspective, our point of view, I think, that needs to be changed sometimes that will make the difference between whether we're going to fret ourselves or delight ourselves. And that God will help us to change our point of view. We can look at our difficulties or we can look at our God. We can concentrate on all of those things or we can lift up our eyes and behold Him. He said, when you see these things coming to pass, don't get uptight. Rejoice. Lift up your eyes and rejoice because you know your redemption draws nigh. It makes all the difference in the world what direction you're looking. And the more we concentrate and look upon the things that are problems, and we can delight. Hallelujah. And it's where our eyes are that makes the difference. That perspective really does make a change in us and we can see the things or we can see the Lord and we can either fret ourselves or we can delight ourselves depending what direction 
we're looking what perspective we might have at that particular moment. In Paris, France, is a famous old building that stands near Notre Dame Cathedral. It's called the Chapel of the Saints. There's a very old window that is covered with dust. Standing outside, it's called the Rose Window. It looks just dark, kind of blackish gray, dusty. Nothing attractive about it, but it's known as the most beautiful window in the world. Looking at it from the outside, nothing appealing to it at all. But when you get on the inside and the light, you're facing the light, and the light begins to illuminate the colors and the stained glass and the art that's in that window, people have been known to stand and gazed at that window for an hour at a time just to see the beauty and behold the beauty. One point of view is the same window. It hasn't changed, but our perspective makes the difference. You see, standing on the outside and looking at it, all you see is the dark and the dirty, but on the inside, you see the beauty and the glory. You see, you need to turn around and face the light because with the light behind you, all you see is darkness. But when you turn around and face the light, the glory is seen, the beauty is seen. You can see blackness or you can see beauty. Depending on what direction you want to stand, you can stand all you want to and look at the outside and see nothing but blackness or you can get on the inside and see nothing but beauty and behold the beauty of the Lord. The Old Testament tabernacle was the same way. On the outside, it really didn't have anything to attract you, badger skin, covered on the outside with very unattractive coverings. But all oh, for those who had the privilege to get on the inside, there was the veil with blues and purples and scarlet, and there were seraphims and cherubims that were embroidered on that veil and there was the altar of incense and there was the candelabra and the altar where the bread was stored and the ark of the covenant on the inside makes a big difference where you're standing looking at from the outside to behold him there was no beauty no loveliness that we would desire him but for those who know him, he's the altogether lovely one. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. Hallelujah. Makes a difference if you're on the inside or on the outside. The perspective makes the difference. Same tabernacle, same Christ, same window. But oh Lord, I want to see it from the other side. I want to face the light. That makes all the difference whether I fret myself or delight myself. It really isn't something somebody else is doing to me, it's something I do to myself. I can't blame anyone else but me because he puts the personal responsibility right in the commandment. He doesn't say, don't let people fret you. He says, don't you do it to yourself. 
It's a job we do all by ourselves. Delight yourself. Amen? Nobody else can do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. Lord, give me your perspective. I know you delight in me, and I really want it to be true that I delight in you. I don't want it just to be a chorus. I want it to be a truth. Amen? I want it to be a truth. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you have made it clear in your word how much you love us, how you rejoice in us, even as a bridegroom rejoices on the day of his wedding. So does God rejoice in us. And he said to us, you'll have a new name. I'm going to give you a new name. You'll no longer be known as forsaken. You'll no longer be known as desolate, but you'll be known as Hephzibah, the one in whom I delight and the one to whom I will commit in marriage. Your land will be Beulah in that place where I pray that there will be no difference between our profession and our possession, between our testimony and the truth of our lives. Jesus, we strive in that direction and ask for your help. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, give us that capacity, Lord, and let it be true that your word is worth more to us than a, a quarter. Your word is worth more to us than just an occasional, an occasional turn, but that we search for the treasure that you have there for us to receive, that it would not be a duty, but it would indeed be a delight because our ears are tuned to the voice of the Lord and he's speaking to us words of life, words of direction, encouragement, and strength until, Lord, we cannot do without it. We know that man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We ask you for this, Lord. Help us. Help us in an uptight world, in a world filled with anxiety, anxiousness, and emotional stress, that we would not fret ourselves. But Lord Jesus, the world will see something they haven't seen in others, but they'll see Help us, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father.